We're starting a new series called Reach Out and uh, how to share your faith. And, and I hope that with everything going on in our society and uh, our community here, that that would provide you with an opportunity to reach out to those that may need uh, help and also those that may need Jesus Christ as, as Savior as well. So as we go through this series, I pray that you would be thinking about ways that you can engage your community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 4, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do thank you once again for allowing us to be here today, Lord, as I look out, I see many people here that are healthy, and so I'm glad to see that, Lord, and I pray that your protection will continue to be on them, that you would, that would be able to remain healthy, Lord. But, Lord, I do pray, I uh, thank you once again that we can come together and that we can worship you, Lord. And so, Lord, as we come together and we think about what you would have for us to do, Lord, and how we can best represent you in the world that we live, God, I pray that you would guide and direct our thoughts here today and help us to see the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as the principles uh, we usually have, um, I do have a principle for you here this morning. Your one step can change someone's life for eternity. Your one step can change someone's life for eternity. Now, what do I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, many of you may be familiar with a guy named Bill Hybels. He was a uh, preacher of a large church in the States. And many years ago, he wrote a book called Walk Across the Room. And I had a chance to read that book many years ago, and it was inspiring then. And uh, I'm doing a course right now, which required me to go back and have another look at that book and I had to reread it again. And it was just perfect timing because now we're starting a reach out series as well. And so great. I want to take some of that information and maybe share that with you here this morning as well. But in this book, uh, Just Walk Across the Room, he talks about a time when uh, he would uh, have to actually go to a lot of lunches and things like that and, and meet with a lot of business leaders of the community as well. And at one of these particular meetings, he uh, saw an individual there and he wanted uh, to, to sort of uh, get to know him a little better. But what they did is that they, the host wanted to everybody to go around, introduce themselves, tell a little bit about who they are before they actually sat down and ate. And so he was watching this guy and this guy was uh, of a different color. And also when he introduced himself, he had a Muslim name. And so they sat down to eat, and, and he, he caught his attention uh, across the table, and the guy was looking at him, and he says, uh, I love your books. And people's like, oh, what do you mean you love my book? He's looking around, it's like, is this guy talking to me? And he was laughing at him, he says, yeah, you, I love your books. And he says, he says we'll chat later. And so after the meal, they got together, and Bill had to hear about this guy's story. And he says, listen, he says, um, I, I grew up a Muslim and, um, uh, and I'm also black as well. And because of that, whenever I go to some of these events and things that um, my work requires me to go to, I feel a little bit isolated. Uh, nobody wants to talk to me. Uh, nobody wants to, to uh, have a conversation with me. So I go and I have a drink and, and I try to make some business contacts as much as I can. Uh, but uh, I, I basically find myself you know, saying, you know, I'll, I'll stay here as long as I possibly can so that I can be uh, without being rude. But then I look for the nearest exit and I get out of there because they're so uncomfortable. Well, I was at one of these events and uh, there was a group of people that were over to the side and they were having a lively conversation. And one of the guys, as I was looking to, to find my exit, one of the guys looked over at me and he made eye contact with me and then immediately excused himself from that group. He came over to me, he stuck out his hand, he introduced himself to me and we got into a conversation. And it wasn't very long before the conversation turned to a spiritual conversation. And I told that guy straight up, he says, look, I'm Muslim. 
And the guy was like, oh, really? He says, well, I'm Christian. Tell me about your Muslim faith. And the guy was just astounded. He's like, what, this guy really wants to hear what I have to say? And so they began to talk, and they actually became uh, close friends, and they met every single week. And usually the topic would revolve around spiritual things. To make a long story short, the guy eventually saw his need for Christ, and eventually he came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and he started going to these Christian events and Christian leadership events, and that's where he was introduced to Bill Hybels books and things. That was the, the rest of the story. But that, that story really impacted Bill so much that he actually wrote a book, Just Walk Across the Room. Just Walk Across the Room. So with that concept and idea in mind, I want to talk about uh, our series, Reach Out. And I would like to share some insights that may help you reach out to your community. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in John chapter 4. And uh, a number of you probably have heard the story of the woman in the well. You know the story quite well, probably. However, I want to go back and revisit that story here today for the purpose of seeing how Jesus interacted with this woman and led her to a belief in himself. And I would like to share with you three points uh, as we read through Jesus' evangelistic work here in this woman's life. I want to share with you three different points here. Because as we learn to walk across the room, and as we have a desire to sort of to walk across the room, first of all, there must be a willingness. There must be a willingness. Uh, in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Notice that last bit there. It says he needed to go through Samaria. You see, there was a willingness on Jesus' part to go through Samaria. And the reason for that is because he had a God worth knowing. He realized that God was worth knowing. Bill said in his book he encountered a guy and uh, he was encouraging him to go out and witness and share his faith with others. And the guy blatantly said, you know what, I refuse to share my faith with anybody else. And he asked him why. He says, I would never want to inflict the burden of God on anyone. Think about that statement. I would never want to inflict the burden of God on anyone. Now listen, I'm not sure the God that this man served, but it doesn't seem like the God that's reflected in the Bible. Is your God a God full of grace? Is your God a God full of mercy? Those that find themselves taking the first steps and walking across the room have a belief that their God is a God worth knowing. They are, they are, they are of the belief that they want everyone to experience this type of relationship with their God. They are convinced that everyone would love the experiencing the relationship that they have with their God. And so whenever they talk about walking across the room, whenever they have that, that, that desire and that calling to walk across the room, then there is also uh, understanding that they have a God that they want others to know about as well. Many of you ask about my parents. Uh, they have made it home safely. Thank you. Uh, for those who don't know, they've been with me. Uh, they've, they've traveled from the States, and they've been with me for the last two months. And in that two months, man, we have had a whirlwind of a tour. Uh, we've seen, I think, about every beach from Perth down to Augusta. Uh, and this is probably the last time they're going to be here, and so I wanted to make it very special for them. But uh, as we were uh, waiting around about to take them to the airport, I just went and asked them and said, hey, what was the most exciting thing that you've done while you're here? What, what is that you really enjoyed while you were here? And one of the things they mentioned was Cary Valley Resort. 
They absolutely loved Cary Valley Resort, and uh, I must admit I, that was my favorite time as well. We parked the car, didn't move it for four days, went fishing, went feeding birds. I mean, it was just a great relaxing time for us, and we really enjoyed it. And oftentimes, whenever some of you come to me and you ask us about events and things and things that we've done with my parents, I always go to Cary Valley Resort. And the reason why I do that is because I had such a great experience there, and I want you to experience what I experienced at Kelly Valley Resort. But the reality is, that only lasts a few days. But when we talk about our experience with our God, hey, that lasts throughout all eternity. And it's my desire for people to know the God that I know. I want them to have that relationship with Him. And in order to do that, sometimes we're going to have to move out of our circle of comfort. We're going to have to move out of our circle of comfort. This is what this Muslim man experienced, and maybe it's something that we experience as well. When we're trying to, to, to make a life on our own, and, and when we're trying to, to do the things that, that only you know, we feel like we can do, and we're trying to make sense of this world, we're trying to find purpose in this life. Meanwhile, we have Christians who are fellowshipping with one another. They are in their own little circles, and they found comfort in those little circles. Uh, they, they, they need to, to, to move from that inner circle in order to engage someone in a religious conversation, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. And I've talked to maybe even some here uh, uh, about this as I was you know, gearing up for this series. I went around and started just uh, you know, talking to a few people about it, and oftentimes I see the responses. There's a little bit of uncomfortable there. There's a little bit of uncomfortableness there. And um, this is why we need to pray for boldness. This is why we need to pray for boldness. In Acts chapter 1, verses 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Oftentimes, when it comes to witnessing, we have a tendency to put restrictions on ourselves. But God promises that the power of His Spirit will be with us when we witness. So we can have the boldness. We can have the courage that we need in order to share the love of Jesus with others. And here Jesus sets the example. I don't uh, believe that there is a greater room to walk across than what Jesus Christ did. He walked across the cosmos. He walked across the world. John tells us that he created the world with his hands. And, and he is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is mighty. His throne was in the heavens. He was not restricted by time, space, or matter. But then the Bible tells us that he humbled himself. He became flesh, and he dwelt among us. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Notice the first part of that verse there. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did he do? He humbled himself. The scripture says that he became a bondservant to us. And in Psalms chapter 8, verses 3, it says, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers. Let's just stop there for a moment. Let's just, let's just visualize this. Let's think about this. The works of the heavens, all of creation, the works of your fingers. 
I, I visualize whenever I was a little kid, uh, we, we used to have a big old circle in the sand and we would get down there and we would play with marbles and we would shoot the marbles and things like that. And that was sort of the works of our fingers. And that's sort of what I envision whenever God is creating this whole world. It's kind of like a game of marbles. It's just, it's just the works of his fingers. And we kind of get an idea of how great and wonderful God is. But when we think about that, and we look out these windows here, and we see how marvelous our world is and how big our creation is, we, we, we are like uh, the Psalms here. You know, look at the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you would have visited him. Why on earth would God want anything to do with us when we're part of this little tiny creation? Uh, we're just a little speck in his wonderful, vast creation that he has, he has created in this world. But yet it says that he humbled himself. He was willing to give up heaven and his kingship, and to become a servant to those that he created. Think about that. Jesus Christ gave up all of that in order to come to this earth, to take on the form of human, to be a bondservant to, to, to those that he created. What an amazing thought that is. He was born as a baby in a stable, not the prime minister of the universe. He was raised in a poor home, not a wealthy palace. He probably was teased by half-brothers and sisters and, and by other kids. And when he got older and he started his earthly ministry, he was called into question a number of times by the religious leaders. He was betrayed. He was in prison. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was flogged to an inch of his life, falsely accused and condemned. He walked the walk of shame as a convict naked before people carrying his cross only to be tortured and mocked one more time before his death. Jesus left his comfort zone to walk across the universe in order to reach out to you and to reach out to me. Are we willing to experience a little discomfort in order to share the love of Jesus Christ to others knowing what Jesus did for us? Jesus in John chapter 4 said, I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. This was an area that the Jews would normally avoid. They didn't like being around the Samaritans. There was a lot of racial tension between the two. They didn't want anything to do with them. They would rather take the long way around than have to go through Samaria and deal with the Samaritans. This was a place that the Jews would avoid. But Jesus was willing to go through it. He was willing to break the cultural norms of that day. He was willing to cross over those racial, racial barriers in order to reach another for Jesus Christ. It's been told that, um, to me that the average person will probably walk about 10,000 steps a day. Now, my wife has got one of these little things called a Fitbit on her arm. And she's got it set. Her goal is 10,000 steps a day. And when she hits it, you know about it because she gets excited. And her little thing buzzes. She goes, whoo, you know, hey, I've got 10,000 steps today. And she gets so excited about that because that's her goal in life. But the average person will probably do about 10,000 steps a day. Now, somebody who's much greater than I has done the math on this. And they've said, if you walk the approximately of, of 10,000 steps a day in a year's time, you would walk the equivalent of going around the earth four times. That, that's, just, that's amazing to me. Um, just 10,000 steps a day. But here's what I want you to see today. If, if you were doing 10,000 steps a day, what I would like to encourage you is, is this. I want you to take 10 steps of those 10,000 steps per day and be purposeful with it. 
And I want you to walk towards somebody outside of your circle of comfort into the unknown, because usually that's what's the scary part, is we don't know what to expect. Walk out into the unknown in order to share the, your love for Jesus with someone else. Just 10 of those 10,000 steps a day. Can you imagine what that would do for you? Can you imagine what that would do in the lives of others if every single one of us did just that? Think about that this morning. To take the first steps, there must be a willingness. But secondly, there also must be an awareness. In John chapter 4, verses 5, it says, So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Here this woman goes and reminds Jesus about the racial tension between their two groups, between their two people groups. They, they don't want nothing to do with each other. And so she's quite surprised that this Jewish man would actually have a conversation with her, let alone ask her for anything. You see, there are opportunities that exist all around us. And Jesus could have ignored this woman, just like uh, most Jewish men would have, and, and no one would have, would have thought any less of him. Uh, one of the things that, that we see in the life of Jesus is that he took advantage of every single opportunity that was given to him in order to share salvation with others, even if it meant persecution or ridicule from others. And we see that oftentimes. Whenever Jesus goes to engage somebody, they have the religious leaders right there ready to pounce, ready to ridicule him for what he has done. And it's sometimes easy for us to make excuses why we don't witness to others. In fact, there have been times in my life where I've had the prompting of the Spirit to go and talk to somebody at a cafe. Uh, the guy was came and he sat down and was having coffee and I walked in and, and I sat down and, and uh, I was there to do some study and, and prepare for my sermon and, and to really get in tune with God. And God really spoke to my heart. He says, hey, you see that guy over there? You need to go witness to that guy. You need to go share your faith with that guy. And at that time, I was thinking, you know, God, come on. You know, I've, got, I've got a lot of things to do here, and I need to focus. And, and that guy, look at him. He's over there having his coffee. He's, having, he's reading his paper. He's, he's pretty content. He didn't want to be bothered. And I sat there, and I tried to do my work, and I tried to do my work. And at the, at the same time, I saw this guy at the corner of my eye. I see him finish his meal. I see him finish his paper. He finished his coffee. He got up, and he walked out. And as soon as he walked out of that cafe, God really convicted my heart to the extent that I couldn't stand it. And I had to get up, and I walked out of that cafe in tears because I had missed the opportunity to simply walk across the room. In my high school, God impressed me to speak to a classmate. My high school wasn't conducive for evangelism. At least so I thought. I mean, my high school was crazy. Uh, we had drugs throughout my high school. Uh, it seemed like everybody around the corner was smoking a joint. Um, they had uh, fights all the time. There were at least two or three fights a day. We had bullies all through our school, and some of them were so mean. Uh, they were mean as snakes. You even look at them wrong, you find yourself on the ground. I mean, it was a horrible school that I went to. 
And here I was, a little scrawny, skinny teenager. Don't laugh. I used to be skinny. And uh, I was shy and really didn't know anybody. And here God has called me to go and talk to one of the most popular kids in our school and tell him about Jesus. I said, God, you must be crazy. Can you imagine what they will do to me? They will rip me to shreds. Man, can you imagine me going and sharing Jesus? And they were talking about the, me being a Jesus freak. Man, they take me out back and beat the Jesus out of me. I mean, I, where, where, this isn't going to happen, God. And I was reluctant to go and share my faith. And I refused to go and share my faith. And then the next day we came to school. And we find out that that guy was driving that night, lost control of his car, wrapped it around a tree, and lost his life. That event changed my life. And then I prayed to God, I said, God, I don't want to ever want to be in a situation where I neglect to tell other people about Jesus. That was part of the catalyst of why I even surrendered to ministry. What difference can you make in a person's life simply by walking across the room? It's not that we don't have opportunities to witness. It's that we don't take advantage of the opportunities that God has given to us. I look at the life of Peter, man. He is so excited about following Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, whenever Jesus Christ is standing before uh, the Pilate and he is, he is being judged, and then Peter has the opportunity to go three times and share his, face with other, share his faith with other people and let them know that he is a Christ follower. He rejects to do it and he refuses to even know Jesus Christ. And of course, most of us know the story. After the resurrection, Jesus comes back to Peter and he restores him and he finds forgiveness. And then we see Peter reaching thousands of people for Jesus Christ. And that, that message there gives me hope because you know what? Sometimes I've failed. Sometimes I've messed up. Sometimes I didn't respond to the Spirit's prompting. And maybe you haven't either. But as I look at that story, I know that I can go back to God and through repentance, God can still use me. There's still hope for me, and there's still hope for you, if we're willing. But out of the opportunities that we have available to us, I think some of those are divine appointments. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you didn't expect? Maybe uh, you had no intentions to be at that particular place at that particular time, or circumstances has forced you to move in that particular way. And in doing so, you've come in contact with a person who needs Jesus. I think of these as divine appointments. Uh, times when if you were left to your own, that you would have gone a different direction. I remember distinctly one time in my life when I was moving from Florence to, uh, to um, uh, Springfield, Missouri to go to Bible college. Uh, I was working in physical therapy at the time, and I was hoping to get a job in physical therapy so I can uh, work my way through Bible college. And so I went and hit all of the hospitals, all the rehab centers. And, and uh, in fact, I just talked to, I talked to one guy, and he says, Oh, man, says, I just hired a guy last week. You just missed it. Oh, I wish you would have been here a week earlier. And I was thinking, God, come on. You know, what's going on? I, I've surrendered my life. I, I've left uh, my home. I, I've come to Bible college in order to prepare for the ministry. Surely you can give me a job that I want. Surely, God. And so I began to pray about this and then finally got to the point where I had to have some money because I had to eat. 
had to pay bills. And so I just started putting out my resume and applications all over the place. And, and I went to a place called Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel is a restaurant. And I've never worked in a restaurant before. And uh, I had a uh, appointment there with the manager, and, and we had a bit of chat, and he looked at my qualifications. He says, Dwayne, I'll be honest with you, I've got a position open, open but you are way overqualified for this. You're not going to like it. I said, look, man, I've got to have a job. I've got bills to pay. I've got to eat. So I don't care what it is. Just give it to me. Uh, I'll do it. And so he hired me, and, uh, and so I was a prep cook. And uh, I'd never done that before in my life, but I was sort of in a section of the, the kitchen, and this is all I did. I stayed in that part of the kitchen, and I really didn't venture out that much. I didn't really get to know a lot of the people that I worked with because uh, I, was sort of in, I was sort of confined to that one little spot as I worked at Cracker Barrel. And um, one day after, uh, after the uh, very long day, it was probably about 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and I had uh, classes in the morning about 7. You know, throughout the, the, the week, I've, I've been really praying that God would give me an opportunity to witness, and, and, and uh, I'd love the opportunity to share my faith with somebody. And that night, I, as I walked out to my car, I heard a, a guy call, call out to me, and I looked at him, and he had one of the Cracker Barrel outfits on, and uh, I recognized him. He was a dishwasher. And I said, hey, what's going on? He says, uh, he says man, my, my car's messed up. I need a ride home. Now, I didn't know who this guy was, and I was a little bit, you know, cautious about, you know, just bringing, you know, guys home and things like that and, and uh, taking them. And, and plus, I was really exhausted and tired. I got class in the morning. But then it's like the Spirit said, you know what? You need to take him home. I said, okay, God, I'm looking for opportunities. I'll take him home. So we hopped in the car, we introduced ourselves, and on the way back home, he was telling me about his life and all the struggles and things that he was going through. And, uh, and, and, and I just started a conversation with him. And we started talking about spiritual things. And I had the opportunity to walk through the gospel with him. And as we drove up into his driveway, he said, Dwayne, you know what? This Jesus you're talking about, I think I need Jesus in my life. And I had the wonderful opportunity to lead him to Christ right there in his driveway. But here's the point of this story. About three weeks later, I had one of the hospitals call me up and said, Hey, Dwayne, we got a position for you if you want it. I look back on that. I said, You know what? I believe that that was a divine appointment in my life. I think God says, You don't need to go work over there. You need to go work over here because I've got somebody over here that needs Jesus. And I want us to think about that because in our lives, sometimes we find ourselves in places where we never thought we would be. We want to go over here in this direction, but God's saying, no, I need you to go over here in this direction. And one of the reasons why I need you to go in this direction, because there's somebody over here that needs Jesus. And so when things aren't going right, when things aren't going uh, like we had planned in our lives, I want you to think about this story in the back of your mind. Maybe, just maybe, God is putting you in a place in order to have a contact with someone else that needs Jesus. Think about that in your life. But also... There are divine callings in our life as well. There are times in our life where we can clearly hear God's calling. Uh, God impresses upon us a people group or an individual or, or a place that needs the gospel. I mean, I think of uh, Mr. Bone, and if you go and, and, and hear his story and, and hear about his life and how he, you know, God had called him to different people groups throughout his life, and, and I think of uh, Jim Moore, who just got back from, uh, from, from Myanmar in, in Cambodia, and, and how God has called him to that people group and, and working with some of the aborigines uh, as well here in Australia. Uh, our teachers have been called to go and work with our children, uh, and, our, and some teachers have been called to work with our youth. We have sometimes God call us, to a specific people at a specific time. And even right now, as we're going through this sermon, 
maybe God is speaking to your heart right now. And maybe God has put somebody on your mind. And God is saying, hey, you know what? I want to call you in order to reach that individual for Jesus Christ. I want to use you to reach out to them. Let me encourage you here this morning to follow the leading of the Spirit. Follow the leading of the Spirit. But if we are going to walk across the room, there also needs to be preparedness as well. In John chapter 4, we'll read the rest of this story together. Uh, Jesus answered and said to her, if, I knew the, if you knew the, the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, I have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Here you start to hear some of the sarcasm in her voice. Uh, who gave us the, the well and he drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Whomever drink of this water will thirst again. But whomever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. The water that I, have, uh, sh I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, call, go and call your husbands to come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you were with is not your husband. This you have spoken truly. Here the woman tries to go and, and, and change the subject now. And she says to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that you are in, that, that, that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what uh, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. And the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and for those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, Oh, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And watch what Jesus says here. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am He. You see, Jesus was prepared for this conversation. Jesus was prepared for this encounter. He starts off with something that they have in common, something in proximity to them, which was the well. And he says, uh, and, and look, maybe for you and I, it may be something different. It may be a car, maybe it's a child, or, or maybe it's a cell that's on, where we can go up and we can start a conversation with somebody. And we can sort of get the conversation going. He starts out with the well, and he engages her in such a way that requires a response. He says, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Now that opens up a dialogue that deals with some racial tension between the groups. And then Jesus goes and, say, and, and says, uh, he goes and, and offers her uh, something which was living water. And he squashes in doing so, he squashes the stereotype between the two groups because there is not a Jew out there that would offer her anything. And so by Jesus coming along and said, hey, look, if you, if you would ask me, I would have given you living water 
that breaks down all the stereotypes, that breaks down all the racial tension between her and, and him. But, but then he goes and, 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 and overlooks her sarcasm that she has. And she's intrigued by this living water and desires it, but, but if there's an issue that has to be dealt with before she can receive that and she has to address in her life. And Jesus comes along and says, Hey, go and bring your husband. You see, there is some sin in her life, and she needs to recognize that sin in her life. She needs to be honest with who she is. And then she goes and tries to steer the conversation away from her sin and make it about religion. But notice what Jesus does here. He brings that conversation right back to himself when he proclaims, that Messiah you're talking about, I am the Christ. I am that Messiah. I'm the one you're speaking of. And oftentimes, when we go and we tell others about Jesus Christ, when the conversation gets a little bit too personal, when we start talking about their need for Christ, and we talk, start talking about their sin, oftentimes what happens is they want to go and ask a question, or they want to go and make a statement that sort of directs their attention off of their sin onto something else. And we need to do like Jesus did here. And if possible, move that conversation back to Christ once again. If possible, answer the question. But if you don't know the answer, just say, hey, look, I acknowledge the question. I don't know what the answer is to that yet, or I'll find the answer for you. But, but always try to go back to, to sharing Christ with them once again. This is what Jesus Christ did. So then, how do we prepare? How do we prepare for that encounter as we walk across the room? Well, first of all, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. First, you must have a faith in Jesus Christ yourself. You need to make sure that you have assurance of your salvation. The Bible talks about working out your salvation. It doesn't mean that you work for your salvation. It means that you're to work it out. You want that assurance that you know Jesus Christ, that you've done what you need to do in order to have that relationship with him. Oftentimes I have people that, uh, that, I, that I talk to and, and I go and witness to and tell them about Jesus and they don't want anything to do with it. But it's, but it's interesting that uh, sometimes, you know, I may give them a business card or something and say, look, if, you, if there's any way we can minister to you, give us a call. We'd love to, to connect with you at some point. And, uh, and sometimes what happens is actually they go and, and they have a friend that comes to them with a problem and they say, you know what, hey, I can't help you out, but here, I've got a business card. Here, call Dwayne. And so they end up calling me up, and as a result of that, sometimes we get a chance to lead them to Christ. You see, you cannot give what you do not have. And this individual could not give answers because they didn't have the answers. So first of all, you need to make sure that you yourself are saved. And if you don't know Jesus Christ to save you here this morning, let me encourage you, stick around. We'd love the opportunity to share Christ with you and show you how you can know Jesus Christ for, for yourself. But also, if you uh, are not sure, and uh, you're not sure if you're saved, we'd love to, to, to give you that assurance here this morning if you allow us the opportunity to do so. But also, you need to work on your own story. One of the most effective ways that we can engage other people in the gospel is to simply tell your own story. Uh, share with them what Jesus Christ has done for you. And one of the things, uh, or three of the questions that I'd like to, to, to encourage people to include in their story is this, um, what, were you were, what you were before Christ? In other words, what, what was your life like before Christ? What was your needs that you had in your life? What were the struggles that you faced before Christ? 
Second question is, what did Christ do in your life? And generally, this includes the gospel, uh, how Jesus Christ uh, w w died for you and, and, and took your sin on the cross and, and, and died and, and he was buried and he rose again the third day and how you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior uh, through that event. Also, the third thing would be how your life has changed since receiving Jesus Christ. I mean, what's Christ done in your life since then? How has your life changed because you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? And generally, I would like to include uh, those three questions. And also, you want to keep it maybe about one to three minutes as well. And the reason for that is you want them to come back and be asking questions about your life instead of saying, you know what, I wish this guy would just shut up. I've had enough. Right? And so if you keep it concise and keep it small, allow them to ask the questions so that they can continue to engage with you. Also, there's some other resources out there. We have the Romans Road. Many of you are familiar with that. Uh, it's a, Romans is a book in the Bible. And when you go and you uh, start to sit down with somebody and share your faith with them, oftentimes you can find all the verses that you need to lead them to Christ in the book of Romans. And one of the things that I've done with one of my Bibles is I've started out with Romans 3.23. And in the, um, uh, in, the, in the margin of my Bible, I've got the next verse written out. And so then when I go to that verse in the margin there, I've got the next verse. And so it's almost like a road map, if you will, uh, in, in leading me uh, to allow me to lead someone else to Christ. And so that's the Romans road uh, that you can uh, use to lead someone to Christ. Also, there's a Share Your Faith app. Uh, if you can get it on your phone or whatever, and with us going technology this time this time of year and, and uh, in our life, uh, man, it's a great opportunity for going for you to go and download your Share Your Faith app. And in there, uh, they have all the, the the illustrations and things that you can go through step by step that you can go and lead someone to Christ with. Uh, also, it's um, you have a voiceover there as well, and so I'd encourage you to listen to the voiceover over and over again so that you can get an understanding where they're going with that illustration. And also the beauty of that is if you know somebody, uh, but you can't really speak their language very well, and they can't speak English very well, then oftentimes you can actually go to their phone, download the app, and you can download it in their native tongue so that they can hear it so they can get a better understanding. So that's your Share Your Faith app, uh, which is available, and it's free. Also the ABCs, Accept, Believe, and Confess. If, uh, if you uh, accept that uh, you are a sinner, and you believe that Jesus Christ uh, died for you, and uh, you confess your sins to him and, uh, and willing to commit your life to him. That, again, is your ABCs that you can use in order to lead someone to Christ. But also we have tracks as well that are, um, that are available for us. Uh, this is a, a track, and basically it's just a little printout of, uh, of, of something that uh, could be a, like a little story, uh, could be a little illustration of some sort. But usually somewhere in this track is uh, an area where you can go and you can know that uh, you, you can um, uh, uh, have the, the, the example of how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so the gospel is presented there in these little tracks, and there are a number of different ones. You can go to Karong and see what's available and find one that uh, works best for you. But those are available as well. Those are some resources that, we, that, that you can use in order to reach someone for Jesus Christ. But this last thing here is, as I believe, is the most important thing, and that is divine prompting. This is divine prompting. You can have the plan of salvation down pat. You can have these verses memorized. You can wax eloquently when it comes to your story. But without the Spirit working, you're not going to make much progress. Jesus said before he left that he would send us the Spirit. 
and He sent us the Holy Spirit to reside in our hearts of every believer. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This should give us a clue as to the challenging nature of the mission that Christ has given to us because He had to send a permanent source of supernatural power within us in order to assist us and help us. But what exactly was this power all about? Well, if you read the rest of the story in Acts chapter 1, it explains that Christ's followers have a mission while here on earth. And our mission is to be witnesses all over this planet. He wants everyone to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And as Christ, it's as if Christ is saying, hey, look, you may not have book smarts. Maybe you don't have a theological degree. Maybe you don't have street smarts. Maybe you're not very good with crowds or maybe you don't speak very well. And he's saying, listen, I don't necessarily want you to be concerned with that so much because I have the spirit of God living within you. Because we have that mountain-moving, life-transforming, death-defying power right inside of us in order to help us when we go out and witness for Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Paul encourages this Christ followers to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. In other words, the, the Galatian believers should consider tapping into the power of God that is living right inside of them. And this concept applies to you, as, in, to you and me as well. If we have access to the vast power of the Spirit living inside of us, then why would we neglect to act to His guidance, to His motivation, to His inspiration that He offers to us? I don't know about you, but when I am relating in a healthy manner with the Spirit, that vitality and openness in my spirit to His, prompt, to his prompting to His Spirit is evident. Staying in tune with the Spirit means that it's a heightened awareness of things that are going on around me. In the midst of my circle of comfort, if you will, I find myself able to keep my eyes out and looking to see where God is working. I keep my ear open to hear His Spirit talking to me, whispering to me, telling me where I need to go and what I need to do. Even though my spirit senses are far from being perfect, I will admit that here this morning, in those attuned moments, I am incredibly alert to what God is doing in my life and how God is pointing me to someone across the room with his gentle voice saying, hey, listen, just take a step. Just walk across the room. Just have a conversation with them. There is nothing more exhilarating than leading someone to Christ. If I am serious about being transformed by God's Spirit, then I can't shy away from the discomfort and the awkwardness and the ambiguity that exists when, when I abandon my, my, my safe circle of comfort in order to go out into the unknown and, and tell someone about Jesus Christ. When I follow the Spirit's prompting and I walk across the room for the first time, it's like a voltage of electricity, electricity coursing through my veins. As I put one foot in front of the other in order to reach out to someone who may be three meters away from me, but is who is light years away from God, I am part of something immeasurably greater than myself. Let me ask you here this morning. Are you willing to simply walk across the room? Are you walking with the Spirit to heighten your awareness of the witnessing opportunities around you? Have you taken time to prepare for that encounter? And each, each account, encounter needs to include at least three elements here. We want to include God's love for that individual, Christ's payment for, for their sin. You want to include the gospel there, and one's choice in accepting or rejecting God's salvation. 
And that comes as repentance and acceptance. And as we're going through this message here this morning, maybe, just maybe, God has been speaking to you. And God has put an individual on your heart. And He's asked you to walk across the room this week in order to reach that individual for Christ. The God that I know, the God that saved me, is a God that I want to share with others. How about you this morning? Is this true for your life as well? As the musicians are coming, I want to take just a few moments and spend some time in prayer. And I want you to pray for those who are in your inner circle. Those you work with, those you stay with, those, uh, those your neighbors around you. Think about those who are in your inner circle. And I want you to pray, and I want you to ask yourself, God, would you want me to go and be a witness to them? God, what can I do in order to reach out to them with the gospel of, of Jesus Christ? The God that I know is a God that I want them to experience as well. Pray that God will use you this week in order to see others come and know Christ and to make a decision uh, for Him. Pray that God will give you boldness. Pray that God will give you the, comf- the, 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 the uh, courage that you need in order to step out and to be a witness to others. The majority of you came to faith in Christ because someone was willing to walk across a room in order to share the gospel with you. Let's go out and let's do the same for others. Why do we do that? Because we believe that every person deserves a chance to know Jesus. Every person deserves a chance to know Jesus. Let's spend some time in prayer. And If God has placed somebody in your heart, just take this time right now. Lift that name up to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is the person that you've laid on my heart. Lord, this is the person that I know that needs you. They're in my circle of influence, God. I know that I can have an impact in their lives, Lord. Just help me now to step out. Give me the courage and the boldness that I need in order to share the love of Jesus with them. Lord, we have a wonderful opportunity right now. And I know there's some scary things that are going on and, and uh, people are become frightened and But Lord, this is a wonderful opportunity that we have to show the love of Jesus to others. Lord, we can sit down with them and we can have those conversations. When they die, where would they spend eternity, Lord? And so God, I pray that you would give us the words to say. I pray that you would go ahead and open up hearts around us. So that when we do present the gospel of Jesus Christ, they'll be more willing and and more receptive to receiving your truth. God, help us this week to take just 10 steps, Lord. 10 steps of our 10,000 steps a day, Lord. Help us to take just 10 steps and be purposeful about them. And simply walk across the room to share the love of Jesus with others. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.